Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Chump Chat. It's your boy, Johan Gomez, alongside a new co-host for now. If you haven't checked out our last episode, we talk more in depth about it. This is boy, Chris Kuchar, filling in for 10 while he's done with personal things. And the star of the show today, Feyenoord, on loan to Fortuna Sittard, uh, my boy Cole Bassett. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, boys. First guest of the new season. I mean, it's special, isn't it? I mean, you can't yeah, lie. I, I, Definitely. I, when I got the invite, I, I jumped right on it. You know, the, I other other interview requests, I'm a little hesitant. But, yeah, Chum Chat's always my number one podcast to go to. That's what I love to hear. To be honest, though, throwing it back to part one, if you haven't seen part one, check it out. A lot has changed since then. I think Tanner also wasn't on that one. It was only me and Judson. <laughs> But a lot has changed since then. You were playing for Colorado back then. This was back in 2020 when Corona hit, I think. Um, yeah, two years later, a little bit more than two years later, a lot has changed. What do you think the main thing you would say has changed about you personally? Uh, there, there could be many ways I could go with it. I mean, football-wise, I mean, when you're a young player and you got two years of development, uh, behind you now and I think I've developed a lot as a player especially coming to Europe you learn so much over here as a person uh, it's mentally you know when you know it better than me because you've been out on your own longer but yeah when you got to move out on your own it's uh you learn a lot about yourself so that's that that part's been fun lots of people say like the rise to the top is can be lonely at times you know and that's obviously where you're trying to go are you feeling that lonely aspect of it a little bit over there yeah, just a bit. You know, these uh my parents were actually here last week, which was nice. But before that, oh man, this yeah, some of these times over here by yourself, especially when it's not going well and you're not playing much, makes those weeks uh just a little bit longer and you know, every single day is kind of a grind, but like you said to get to the top, most people wouldn't do this and you know, that's why we're not most people. Um and that's why you know, I think we'll continue to to push forward while others might stay stagnant or drop off. So, you know, it's a part of the grind, but uh, yeah, you enjoy it when you look back on it. One thing I will say about Cole to the people who don't know too much is his mentality is killer. Obviously, if you don't know his story, he, I don't know, I don't know exactly all the details, but I know you didn't necessarily make the Colorado Rapids Academy from the jump. You were playing with Colorado Rush, right? And then yep. you kind of just grinded your way through it, made the Rapids uh, Academy, obviously made the jump to the first team. And now, I mean, you're in you're in Europe. I mean, no small feat playing for a huge club, a club that you know made the Europa Conference League final last year. So I mean, like I said, that's that's huge. But yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, I can definitely relate to you in terms of the homesickness. Now let's make a small note that this episode came out a week later, and we're blaming Cole's parents for coming to visit him because he said he had to spend time with them. But you know, I guess we'll let it slide this time. But um, I wanted to ask you now that you're now that you're at Sitter, did you have to move again, or are you able to stay at where you where you were staying in Feyenoord? No, I wish, man. Rotterdam. I don't know if you've ever been, but it's a it's a really good city. But uh, yeah, I had to move. It's like a two hour drive, and from what I've heard, talking to Mike, it's supposed to be pretty similar to where you're at. So I think we're living pretty similar <laughs> lives right now in terms of very small town, nothing going on, purely football. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of what we're over here for, I guess. So there's really no distractions, which is nice. But at the same time, as a, a young 21-year-old, it's 
a little different than what most people get to experience. You got that nice phone in the wall behind you. You can always reach out to other people, make some calls. You know. Yeah, I know. I don't even know what this thing is. I haven't seen it work at all since I've been here. So it's a weird place, man. It's like a retirement home city is where I'm at. It's... Uh, Holland in general, though, are you liking it? Yeah, for the most part. I think this country is probably a lot easier to move to than like where Johan is in uh, Germany. Just because, Yeah, everybody speaks English here, which is... I mean, I wish I could learn the language, but it also is nice just in terms of football. You understand everything that they say. Um, and then, yeah, like where I moved at the start, Rotterdam is very similar to an American city. So that place was actually easy to adapt to compared to, you know, other places in Europe. Yeah, I have my boy Cole Bassett on B-Real. And if you could see the view from his Rotterdam apartment, I mean, <laughs> he's living the life out there. I can't lie. Yeah. So I'm sure moving to a smaller city. Yeah wasn't too easy but so is that why your parents were there to help you move or were you already settled in no i was already settled in they uh my dad did well in his job and he, his bonus was a, a free trip to europe so they paid for their flights over here and yeah they got to come visit me which was which was nice and uh like even though i'm in the middle of nowhere there's so many like towns around me within like an hour and a half so we went to dusseldorf and antwerp eindhoven uh, all these like little towns and you know that part was nice because where i'm at right now there's nothing uh, to how do. far are you from amsterdam probably like two hours i think uh, gotcha. you, you've been to the red yeah. light district yet you've you done your time yeah. there i uh i took my mom through it and uh, she had no clue we were <laughs> oh, going dude. through it and i said mom look, look to your left and then she looked over and she was like oh like and then there was a girl right there that was yeah, obviously didn't have too much clothes on so she, she was pretty <laughs> mad at me after that one so you were having more of a good time than she was, I assume. Yeah, yeah. Me and my dad were, were cracking up. I mean, those girls aren't, like, the best, but it was just pretty funny in the moment because, you know, she was pretty horrified at that. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've, I kind of want to talk about your preseason situation because, as you know, as – I mean, the people who don't know, me and uh, Cole share the same age, and so, I mean, you're updated with my situation as I am with yours. But – Mike was telling me that it was a bit complicated. I don't know how much you could talk about this, but with FIFA, since you're on loan to Feyenoord, it's an 18-month loan, right? And then they were thinking about loaning you yeah. out. Obviously, they did loan you out to, to Sitter. They said it could be a bit complicated because Feyenoord didn't actually own you. So then I, I just know it could have been a, a roller coaster. So talk me through that, how that process was, not necessarily knowing where, where you were going to end up for the season. It was really weird because I, I came over and, you know, my main motivation was have a good preseason and, and try to be a starter at Feyenoord this year before the World Cup. And uh, two weeks in the preseason, I had a talk with the the trainer there, the coach. And, you know, I just kind of it was just a talk that he has with every player. And, you know, I voiced kind of what I wanted. And that was to be a starter throughout the year with the World Cup coming up. And um in his eyes, he didn't see me as a starter yet. You know, he saw me playing games for them, but not in the role that I wanted to. So he said, you know, if, if you want to go out on loan, I'm not going to hold you back. And it'll be good for us to see you play week in, week out in the Eredivisie. So, um, yeah, he was kind of pushing for it. And, you know, it all happened pretty quickly at the start. Like within two weeks of preseason, I was already supposed to come here. But, uh, yeah, like you said, it, it kind of fell through for a bit. So then I was back at Feyenoord and uh, continued the rest of the preseason there. And, you know, I ended up doing really well at last four games. And then uh, I think they were a little bit more iffy to let me go at that point because I was doing well. But, yeah, it came down to it at the end. 
um, end of the window that yeah, we can make the deal happen. And yeah, I ended up here and now it's been, I think a month here. So yeah, at some points, you know, I wish I, in my mind, I kind of wanted to stay and push for a spot there because I think I could have, you know, earned a, a starting role there, but with the world cup, I kind of got into that mindset, uh, similar to Pepe where like, you want to go play and, and show yourself. Um, but yeah, at, at the same time, you know, my first month here has not been what I expected. So it's not been quite a linear, I'd say. Yeah, but that's kind of the way it goes with footballers. It's not always linear, you know? So I think if anything yeah, can get through it, it's exactly. you. And at the end of the day, you're still in the first division. It's a very competitive league. And I was going to ask you what you think about that league. I mean, even just this year has seen a lot of Americans go to it. You just mentioned Pepe, yourself. Obviously, you went there last year, but now you're at another team. Taylor, um, amongst others. I mean, I just the Mexican, who is now your teammate, uh, Santi Jimenez. Uh, so you see yeah. more North American guys coming over to that league maybe to develop and, and get pushed to other leagues. How do you see it and how do you see the level of the of the visa compared to maybe an MLS? Yeah, I mean, in terms of the players, it's been cool to see, especially Feyenoord. Um, our GM was Dennis DeClose from, that used to be at LA Galaxy. I don't okay. know if you knew him at all, but he was the Galaxy GM when I was still playing in MLS. And he just brought over the San Jose left back as well from Peru, uh, Marcos Lopez. And then, yeah, we had Santi Jimenez as well. It was just kind of cool for me to see that, you know, they're trusting like our part of the world to to bring them over here and, and compete for championships and, and trophies. So I enjoyed that. And then, yeah, I got to see Taylor last week. So we swapped jerseys as well because um, I know he's going through a tough spot right now as well, not playing as much. But, yeah, it's cool to see Americans over here. Um, and then, yeah, MLS to Eredivisie. It's, it's just com two completely different styles, like – the top five or six, I'd say, over here are above MLS. Like the Feyenoord, PSV, IX, maybe throwing like Heron Vane and Twente. And then the rest, like towards the bottom, I would say MLS has an up on most of the teams, to be honest. But, you know, you're playing in a league with these big teams that are so far above the rest and they're playing in Champions League and stuff like that. So, I mean, yeah, those clubs are crazy. And that's why, you know, you want to stay at Feyenoord. Um, but sometimes you have to take a step back to take two forward, you know. So, yeah, I think it's different. MLS has more space and time to do what you want. And that's how all of Europe is. You know how it is. It's people are on you. You don't have as much time to, to do what you want to do. Yeah. You see teams like Ajax yesterday going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Liverpool in Anfield. Um, mm -hmm. Even, I mean, you, how motivating is it? Just to change the subject a little bit. How motivating is it seeing players like, in your team last year, Malasia, I mentioned, Sinistiera, um, the center back who went to Brighton. Uh, what's his name? Yeah, Sinesi. Yeah. Uh, how motivating is it seeing those teammates of yours literally playing at now the highest level, the biggest league in the world? Um, and do you feel like you can also reach those levels soon? Yeah, I think so. Because when, you know, I came in at a time, you could say it was a good time or a bad time. Because I came in when we literally probably went undefeated besides Ajax for the entire season. And we had... You know, our team last year was stacked and we went to the conference final. You could say, oh, that kind of sucks because I never got to play as much as I wanted to. But at the same time, gosh, our team was a joke. I mean, you got Malasia who's starting for United now. Sinistera, I think, is starting for Leeds now. He's starting to break in. And uh, Sinesi, he started a couple games for Bournemouth here and there. And then, you know, I think we lost like three other guys as well that have went to different teams and stuff like that. But our first 11 was a joke. Um, 
So it was pretty cool to be able to play with him week in, week out. And then you see him doing it in the prem. And even guys like Brendan, like you've played with those guys when you're growing up. So you, you know you can be there, but you do have to show it week in, week out because those guys, they have deserved it while they're there. Um, but it is cool to see that you know you can be there as well. You might you said you might not be exactly where you want to be right now in this exact moment, but where yeah. t- take five years' time, where do you see yourself? I would hope in the Premier League. I think for me, my goal is the Premier League. Um, you know, as as a young player, you always want to play in the top leagues. But yeah, like like you said, the the path isn't always linear. So you never really know exactly what's gonna happen. I mean, I thought I was gonna come here and play ninety minutes every single week. I think I've played 90 minutes total in four games. So, yeah, that part's tough, and, and mentally it's hard to deal with. But, uh, you know, I think if you continue to work, and, and like we talked about with the mentality piece, I feel like the ones that, you know, can, can keep that piece straight and, and stay mentally focused, uh, they're kind of the ones that continue to, to rise to the top eventually. Yeah. I just want to say – I just want to say uh, – one of your favorite teams growing up in the Prem, or how did that work out? Yeah, I, I supported Arsenal when I was growing up. Um, and I actually got to go on a trial there as well, which was nice. So, I mean, that, that part was pretty cool as a kid growing up and then you get to go train with all these guys that you watch on TV every week. But, you know, now it's, it's a little different when you get to our age, cause you never know where you could move. Um, if, if you are playing well and the team wants you, so it's, it's kind of hard to support a team, um, now when you're playing professionally, but yeah, that was, that was it when I grew up. What'd you think of the all or nothing? I love that that documentary was I love all those like the we can relate to them so much with like you know the day in day out life but I love the standards that they set because I was similar to Feyenoord and then like I came here and I saw you know the difference between a, a really top club and then like a just a regular um area to visit club or European club and it makes you want to be there though like I don't know how it made you feel um in terms of that stuff but watching how Mikel coaches yeah, it's it seemed pretty pretty cool, and it's you know where you want to work towards. I mean, I I don't know how you felt watching that, but that's kind of what I was thinking. I mean, I just feel like every documentary makes you want to be like a fan of that team because this is yeah. like so uh, passionate. You start you feel like you're bonding with the players. Um, yeah, like you said, yeah. Mikel Arteta is in another world. I mean, what a coach! I think that's why they're doing so well now. Um, it's cool to see. Um, I wish honestly they would have done it this year because I so I played with Fabio Vieira in Porto and now he's there. Oh, you did? And, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you played youth like. league with us. Okay. Yeah, see what he's like. Um, I'll be, I played with him a little bit in Porto B also, but yeah, I know he got his debut. I think okay. against United, United, I think it was, and he did pretty well. So it's always interesting to see. That's why I, I was asking you what you feel like yeah. with my last year and guys like that because you know guys like for me, um, Fabio Vieira and guys like that from Porto, seeing them do really well at the highest levels, like. It's kind of more more of a motivation because you feel like you're you're that close, you know. You're like you yeah. know, you you train with them day in day out. It's, you don't tell yourself like, oh, I'm better than them or whatever, but you know, like you're at yeah, that you level. You could be there. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Were you at Vitinha as well or no? Yeah, Vitinha. So there's a picture on my Instagram. They came down in uh in uh yeah. youth league, and Vitinha and Fabio Vieira were there, and Vieira was the captain. So I think it was it was insane. And Vitinha is uh. I'm not going to say much about Fabio Vieira. He's a great guy. But Vitinho is, like, ultra, yeah, ultra humble. Level. Ultra humble. Like, yeah, and different level, yeah. too. Like, I remember, you know how it is, like, at a high level. It can be kind of, like, cutthroat. They expect you to know how to do things. Like, it's like, if you lose the ball, they're going to, like, kind of look at you, kind of think it twice before playing it to you. But I remember Vitinho, yeah. 
it was my first game, I think, with them. And he was playing with us. And he was, I didn't really speak the language yet. So he came to me and spoke to me in English. And he was telling me like where he needed me to move. Um, and I thought that was so sick. Yeah. And obviously he is where he is now. But um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, soccer gives a lot of, football gives a lot of, a lot of turns. Um, the, the world of football turns a lot. So you never know where you're going to end up. I was looking at, because I keep up obviously with your season, but uh, I didn't know Yilmaz plays with your team now. That's a pretty big player, no? But he's, he's pretty old now. Yeah, I think he's he's late 30s, something like that. But yeah, he's played for a ton of big clubs. Uh, he won the, the league uh, in France with Lille a couple of years ago when they beat PSG. So, you know, he's he's done it at a top level. Um, he is older now, but yeah, it's it's just nice to be able to, you know, get to know people that have been through the game and played at the highest level and kind of what you can learn from them and stuff like that. I know for all of us, at least as a kid, you you get so starstruck thinking about these big players. Um, for me, I've even experienced this a little bit through my business, through this, other things. Um, you get to meet them and they're really just normal people that you can talk to. Mm -hmm. At yeah. what point for you guys do you feel like you'll stop being starstruck kind of or do you still feel starstruck when, when meeting these players? Uh, sometimes uh, I think at the start, like, I don't know if you're playing against players, you like during warmups, I feel starstruck. But then when I'm out in the game, I don't. If you're in training, I really think it just takes like one conversation and you're kind of out of it but then again i've never been with like a you know top top player that's like i don't know a, a ronaldo or somebody that's done it for that long at, i guess tim howard i did have tim and um when i was 17 that was kind of you know uh, as a young guy you, this guy just at the last world cup made like 14 saves or whatever it was versus belgium so you were a little starstruck by that but all it takes, I think, is one conversation with a guy, kind of like what mm -hmm. Johan just said. Vitinha, maybe I, I doubt he was starstruck because they're similar age, but like he comes down one conversation in English, then you know you feel comfortable with him, or or at least have some sort of bond. So, I don't think it takes too long, especially once they uh, respect you on the field as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, speaking of the World Cup, I'm sure you've seen the the U.S. roster dropped. And you don't have to, you don't have to say, you don't have to give an answer because I know you're a very like low key guy, but do you feel like there were any snubs on that roster? I think, it, I mean, it's tough. The number nine position is so a lot of people are mad about Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, cause they're top of the league, right? In Germany. Yeah, they are uh, top of the league. He's playing well talk. as well, but I know they want to, they don't want to give up on Pepe just yet. So it's tough. Yeah. Because I mean I'm I'm good I mean I'm not as good of friends with Pepe as you are um but I mean it was it was at least good to see him get called back in I was a little bit surprised that because he's only played one game recently but that was good for him um I mean it's that number nine position is tough like I have no clue who who is gonna go maybe Jesus is the only one that's like maybe Josh ahead of others playing well but, too yeah and Vasquez in MLS I mean you can't ignore the the goals that he's been scoring. So I don't know those guys personally. I only know Jesus and, and Pepe. But, you know, that number nine position was probably the only one where I saw snubs. But, it, I mean, he's got to make a decision on, on who he wants. So it, it's a tough one. I think everything else is kind of self-explanatory. I don't know. what you Do you think there was any that I'm missing? Cole Bassett and Johan Gomez for me. <laughs> 
I, w- I wish we could say that, but uh, hey, they might need to consider honest, you for they might need to consider you for the night position because did you play with in a game where Jesus and Pepe played against Bosnia and weren't you the goal scorer? A lone goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I I haven't like I. It's one of those situations like we're talking about earlier where you play with these players, so you know a hundred percent you could be there. Like. I know I could be in that, but my performances, I haven't played, and they don't validate being in there right now. So I wish I could say I was a snub, but, you know, I don't think right now I'm, I am. I want to take a moment to to honestly respect what you're saying, because even when I was, wasn't was playing and stuff like that, I had a hard time talking about it, especially on here. Um, I think a lot of players even – I'm not going to diss anybody, but when you reach out to players on, on here on Chum Chat, They'll be like when everything's going well. They'll be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like let's let's make it happen. And all of a sudden, maybe a transfer happens or whatever, and they're not playing anymore, and they shy away from it. They don't want to talk about it anymore. They don't want to get in front of the camera. And you know, I try to tell them, yo, we're gonna we're gonna do our best we can to make you look good. We want you to talk about your situation. We want people to understand what you're thinking, what you're going through. And so I I respect you for coming on. Obviously, we're boys, but but yeah, I think a lot of people kind of shy away from it. Even myself, it's maybe hard to talk about. But going a little bit oh, into is, that, man. going a little bit into that, how's your confidence right now? I know that can be it can be tough when you're not playing. How's it? Yeah. How's it looking? Yeah. I mean, yeah, based off of what you just said, like it is tough for some players because, you know, especially when you're overseas and even when just random friends ask you, you know, how are you doing over there? How's the new situation? It's it's hard to respond sometimes because, you know, you want to feel like everything's going well. But, yeah, it's really not. I mean, confidence for me, I actually do feel like that part is good. You know, I've maintained confidence, but the situation that's happened here in the last month with, I don't know if, if you followed up um, with any of this stuff, but uh, a coach brought me here and three days after I got here, he got fired three games into the season. So for me, I mean, Europe is cutthroat, but I've never quite seen that cutthroat, um, especially when we played Ajax the first game, which is a very good team. Twente the second game away, which is another top four team. Um, and then we lost the first three. So I think it was it was a little bit uh, weird to me to see the coach that brought me in here leave. And then we've had interim coaches along the way. But, uh, yeah, mentally it's it's been tough, man. I think you guys have probably hit me. If you talked to me on Sunday, you probably would have hit me at my lowest point, like throughout maybe the last couple of years that I've been in. But, I mean, you guys caught me at, a I guess, a good time to come on here because it's not always easy, like you said. I think it's, you know, it's good when certain people, you know, share their experiences about it's not always like this, like we talked about, you know, it's, it keeps going like this up and down, you know, you have all these highs, but the lows are, are just as, just as low as those. So yeah, it's, it's a weird situation. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, even myself included, I mean, I've, I've, I've had talks at length with Mike and other people along the way, my brother included about, you know, how sometimes football can can be not fair life in general isn't yeah. fair we know that but you know even some people will be like we'll look at a guy and be like man he's living the dream or he's making all this money or xxx or whatever but at the end of the day what a lot of people don't realize is all we want to do is we want to play like no matter where we're at we just want to play and so obviously yeah like you can look at the at the tangible things the money or whatever like what you see on social media or whatever it may be but they don't see Everything else is behind the scenes. You know, you living away from your family, you having to move to a smaller city in the middle of the season to accommodate yourself to get into a new club, maybe not playing immediately. So I think 
I think that's important for people to know because you can't always talk about the great things that happen. You know, when people ask you for interviews, they're like, yeah, so how is this new move? Like, how's, how are you thinking about the World Cup or all this? But I think, uh, yeah, it's important for people to see both sides. It's not all, you know, glitz and glamour. Yeah, and like, yeah, I don't want this. I know I'm the one being interviewed, but just looking at like what you did, like most people, like it's good to see that you were not concerned about what anybody else thought. Like for you, playing time is the, the biggest key. And like I respect, like you see all these guys at Dallas, you know, getting hyped up because they're in MLS and they like to hype the homegrowns up and they're playing and they're close to home with their family. And you chose, you know, Porto was a really good club. But after that, going to a small town in Germany and you you did really well last year and then you were injured, right? In preseason yeah. Or, yeah. And then you come back and you score in the, in the derby. But like, these moves that you go do and you're sacrificing so much being away from people living in a small town by yourself but you're doing it because you know eventually it's going to get you know hopefully where you where you want to go but yeah a lot of people don't realize how tough it is on on young athletes especially you know we're on the complete opposite side of the world from our families and and we're trying to go for one goal and yeah social media it's it's hard for some people to realize you know what we're sacrificing because everybody always posts the good stuff you know they don't ever post the you know, the bad stuff that's never on the on the timeline. So exactly, I wish more people could know that. Exactly, exactly, and I appreciate I appreciate those words. But this is more of a personal question. We have to keep this in. Do you have a girl? I don't. I wish I did right now. Like being in this small town, man. I wish I had a girl. The girl but... from the red lights district. Huh? <laughs> uh, that might be too much for me. I don't know. I mean, it's tough having American girlfriends, though. I feel like I would have to have one over here. Cause like all the American girls our age are in university. So like, they don't want to, they're not going to move over here and they're going to parties every weekend. So it's kind of hard to like, they kind of want to stay single. It's, it's hard for them to do long distance. I mean, maybe if, if there's a girl chump chat followers, just maybe, maybe, maybe hit the DMS or something. <laughs> yeah. Hit my boy called the DMS. How, how is this? How is the scene there? Do you get recognized often when you're in Rotterdam? In Rotterdam, yes. Here, no, not at all. Um, yeah, like I, I even got pulled over by police today, and they had no clue like who our club was. Um, really? Which, bro, right. did you they do you in Germany? The no, they gave me a warning. But do you have this in Germany? Your car has to be, like, uh, it has to have a checkup yearly so that it's able to drive. Like in America, we don't have that. But it's it has like to be a like an eco-friendly, checkup. like an eco-friendly yes. thing. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. But they so Sitar the club gave me a car and I just got here a month ago and they gave me a car that's like expired, like in terms of that. And then the police somehow like I wasn't speeding or anything, but they pulled me over because they searched up my license plate and I happened to just be driving next to them and my car is not registered. So, yeah, they pulled me over, but and they didn't recognize. But in Rotterdam, yeah, like if you walk throughout the the city center, um, those fans are they're the best, man. That's why I want to go back there so bad because they, they really love the game. Well, I hate to break it to you, but I could I could have sworn, Chris, can you confirm? You do have you do need a, a yearly checkup for your car in the US also, no? I swear you do. I've been driving illegally. Yeah, you do you do. You need to get you need to get your new your sticker. You need to <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I could have sworn yeah, you definitely still need that. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, I've been driving illegally then, man. 
So that's, that's not good. Plus my U.S. driver's license just expired because I turned 21. So it just expired. So they were also like, your license expired. I was like, I'm, I'm screwed here. <laughs> but I got, I got let off. That's good. Speaking of back home, let's touch on Colorado a little bit. Obviously, you still pertain to them. Um, we were speaking to, to Kellen recently. Well, before we get into that, do you keep up with them? Do you keep up with MLS in Colorado? Yeah, I normally watch like, you know, I'm, I'm bored here, so I'll watch the highlights on YouTube uh, every who, week. Who do you think will win MLS this season? That's a tough one because the LAFC, I thought, were so far and beyond everybody, but they've dropped off recently. Uh, I think it really depends on who gets into the playoffs in the West. I'm going to take a team out of the West just because, I don't know, we've, like, being in the West, I always felt like the West was tougher than the East. Maybe people... Like, Isn't Philly really good, though? So, yeah, I, so I feel like the top of the East is really good, but I feel like once you get, like, after six... I feel like all those teams, like, aren't as good. And, like, the West, even though, like, Houston's not, like, as good, you know. But if you have to go away to Houston, like, that's not an easy game in the middle of the summer. So I just feel like the West, like, throughout the whole division is tougher, especially when you have to go away to those teams. So I'm going to go – gosh, who's who's number two in the West right now? Austin. Oh, no. I don't think it's going to be Austin. I could see it being, bro, if Seattle gets in – I could see them making a run like they did the. I just don't. They know always make in. a run though. They always end up they in the final or something. Yeah, I just don't know if they'll get in. I'm gonna go Seattle or Portland again. I that's just, a safe. That's a safe teams, bet. I don't know. Those two teams are always so good in playoffs. So we'll see. Okay, now we gotta get. I don't know if this is a hard question, but so Kellen was very transparent with how he dealt with Colorado. Um. I don't know if you watched that episode or saw any clips, but he was basically talking how, you know, Colorado had kept him in the dark about certain transfer opportunities or whatnot. And he didn't know where his next move was going to be. He wanted to leave to Europe. Colorado was like, eh. And so he ended up kind of leaving through the, or I think they traded him to LAFC without yeah, and he was something left like in the that. Dark. Yeah. Left he in the dark. Through social media. Are you, yeah. Do you feel at times you might be left in the dark by some of the stuff's going on behind the scenes, or do you feel like they're pretty transparent about everything with you? Uh, Colorado or just clubs in general Colorado uh, no Colorado with me was pretty transparent um I think I was in a different situation than Kellen like I was kind of me and Sammy Vines were they always called us like the face of the club all the players joked like that but I think we were treated a little differently than than Kellen and I like I'm really good friends with Kellen I kind of well I was with him during the time that that was happening we were at camp together and yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly everything that happened, but it did seem uh, a little bit tough in a situation because I know he's wanted to go to Europe for so long, but I don't know all the details on exactly what happened. Yeah, I mean, I think also, I mean, I don't know how, what you think about this, but I think Mike has pretty good connections there with Colorado, so I think that could have helped also maybe facilitate the process. Um, and I know you were pushing, you were pushing pretty hard, weren't you, to leave? Yeah, I mean, like I loved Colorado, but at the same time. Yeah, I wanted to go to Europe pretty bad. And I felt like it was the right time uh, in terms of, you know, we helped the the club. We, I mean, when I came into the league, we were dead last, and then we finished first last year. So I felt like I helped the club get to a point where, you know, they were they were doing well. And then I think it was it was time to move on. Uh, so, you know, I was pushing pretty hard. But if, if it didn't happen, I was still going to 
you know, stay in Colorado and be around my family for another year. So that's not the worst. Feyenoord is crazy. When I saw that, I was like, damn, like that's a huge club. Uh, yeah, I don't, so. I don't know if most people knew how big, it, like even to be fair, like I didn't even realize how big of a club it was until I really like got here and experienced it. Like I heard about him a lot when I was younger and, and I came here one time when I was like 13, but man, they're the size of that club and the passion of the fans. It's like most people, if I told them in America that even like new soccer, oh, I'm going to Feyenoord, they might be like, uh, maybe I've heard of them. Like they'll say, oh, they're in the same league as Ajax, but they don't know them too well. But yeah, it's that, that club is, they're, they're a top club, man. What's the main differences in like the level of the play or training that you saw between the MLS and the Eredivisie? Uh, I mean, I, I can't really speak on it here because this club has been different. But at Feyenoord, uh, <clears throat> that coach, I would be very surprised if he's not in the Prem or some top league very soon because, yeah, his training intensity. Like I was used to in MLS, we'd normally train hard like a Tuesday, Wednesday. And then Thursday, Friday is like pretty light, but, and it was also more like bigger spaces, kind of what like the games are like, like you have a lot more space uh, and time on the ball and it's more athletes and stuff like that. But at Feyenoord, it was so much tight spaces. Like we used to play 11 v 11 in like, I swear it was like box on box. Like we had so many players in the tightest area and, you know, he just emphasized being so good in tight spaces to break teams down and, um, you know, it helped me a lot in that sense. And and I do miss their training a, a bunch because it's so much like Rondo, but he teaches you how to play it the right way. So you actually like really enjoy it. It's not like going for Megs and a bunch of flicks and stuff like that. Like you're really playing to like put 60 passes on the guys in the middle. And that, that way is honestly, I've enjoyed that a lot more. What, what do you think it'll take for the U.S. to reach uh, that level of a stage um, in, in football? <clears throat> I mean, one maybe could do with the pressure uh, in terms of like, I don't know if fans put enough pressure on clubs and also there's no promotion relegation. So like if you're a club at the bottom, like this year in MLS, like the teams that are at the bottom, they, they're not fighting to not get relegated and lose money. So I think, you know, there's not as much of a sense of urgency of, of what they have to do each week. But also, you know, I don't, I don't know exactly what it is. Johan, I'd kind of be curious to see what you think in terms of, like, the difference for me is how much people put pressure on you and, like, how intense the matches are. But I don't really know how MLS could up that. Because, like, playoffs to MLS is similar. And there's very good players in MLS. But, like, throughout the regular season, sometimes games are not, like, at the highest intensity that they could be. But here it's, like, week in, week out. Yeah, I don't it's like know a war. MLS could do that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Do, you, do you think it is just promotion relegation? I don't know. I mean, I think it has to be. I think, I don't know if this is a hot take, but I think implementing that, I know it's the, the, the state of MLS isn't to that level yet where they can implement that because owners won't want to buy into yeah. teams because they'll lose a lot of money or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, you're seeing Sacramento Republic going all the way to the U.S. Open Cup final. Like, the USL has a good level. So, I mean, there's a good infrastructure in the USL. You're seeing where my brother played Louisville City. That stadium is crazy. Like, that infrastructure of that club is insane. Um, So, I think there is a future for promotion relegation, and I think that's how it has to be because once you implement promotion relegation, every game will matter. Like, you won't be able to have – and I haven't seen Gareth Bale play. 
I just happened to read a tweet before getting on this that people were saying that he's looking lazy and not really caring. So you can't have those. You can't buy into those players anymore. You're going to have to do your research and say, okay, will this player die for my team if I need him to? Or is he just a guy who's like here to collect some money, go play golf, you know, stuff like that. So I think that definitely would take the league into the next level. I know they're probably quite a ways away from that. But I think whatever people can do to push that, I think it would be super important for the league and the country in general. Once you're pushing that mentality in within like within the the whole footballing world in America, I think people will understand that. Because once you get to Europe, I don't think people really understand what a relegation battle is like. Like you don't really understand the pressure that you're under. Um, like yeah, people I mean, lose well, jobs. How was your team this year? Like my me team, and Tanner. Are going or Tanner's not going through it now, but he did last year, and then I am this year. I don't. How was your team? So my team didn't, didn't go through it that much last year. Right now we have we're supposed to have a weaker team, so we're we're projected by like everyone to get relegated this year. Uh, we're like mid table right now, kind of. That's where we ended last year, and that's really good because we have one of the smallest budgets in the league. Um, yeah. but yeah, I mean it's tough. It's tough. That's that's the main thing. A lot of teams. I don't know if. I don't know if you've heard or if your club is now is like this, but a lot of teams are like, okay, our goal is to stay in the league. We're not really looking for promotion or anything else, anything special. Like, let's stay in the league because we need that money. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, though. That's the culture. Every club is different, but every it means the same to every club just to fight. And so I think that's the main difference. I mean, how do you feel? We spoke about this with Arner, uh, Tanner's friend who played at Venezia. He was a lone player at Venezia. Obviously, it's still new in the season, but you could find yourself in a relegation battle. How do you see that as a lone player? Like, are you able to feel that as much, considering you're not a full-time part of that team? Yeah, I think you have to. Like, especially, like, we have some pretty good fans, actually, uh, especially in one section here. And, you know, I think if you're at a club and you don't, like, buy into to what they are as a club and buy into their history and, and their fans and just their culture, then I don't think you, you should really be there. Because, I mean, if you're just totally invested in yourself while you're there, yeah, it may benefit yourself. But I think you'll benefit more from it if you really buy into to what you got going on there. So for me, I mean, yeah, right now we're bottom of the table right now. We haven't won a game in six games. So I, I do want to help this team get where we should be. And we definitely have the players to be a, a mid-table team. But, yeah, I, it, it's a tough spot right now for us. So we're, we're going to have to fight out of it and – we definitely feel the pressure. Um, we've had three coaches already this season, so it's it's been there's been a lot of pressure from fans. But I think you enjoy it as a player sometimes. Like it, it is hard at the bottom of the table compared to the top, but pressure is pressure, and you know that's kind of what we live off of. So we yeah. talked about the importance of pro rel, obviously, for U.S. soccer. Um, do you think that having other sports um, above? Um, soccer football in the U.S. can kind of conflict with that? Mm-hmm. Because- yeah, I think it's it's tough because over here, I mean, if you look at some of these athletes that are playing for some of these top clubs, there's no way they'd be playing soccer in the in the U.S. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of, of a big team. But like for example- even if you – yeah, you have one? Yeah, I mean, the other way around, if you took LeBron James and put him in goal, I don't think yeah. – you know what I mean? Or like, Ty, I don't know how, how much you guys are paying attention to the NFL, but if you put Tyree Kill, train, he trained soccer his whole life and went on the wing, um, things might look very different. Whereas over there, you know, you guys might not have that. I know another big another big thing is I'm living that college life, as we discussed before. 
Um, I go to a big SEC school, University of Arkansas with pig. Um, that is probably the only sport that I see where the fans can kind of get close to the level of what, where you guys are reaching in Europe for soccer. Um, and I know college sports and that's a lot of that is because everybody's in the same hometown with the U S being spread out. Like for example, I, for football, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, but Johan, I assume you were the same, but we live miles and miles and miles away. You think the U S landscape could be a, a reason for that as well? Yeah, it could be. I mean, where you grow up, but, uh, I don't know. I just think Europe, it's, they, they live and breathe one, one sport. So it it is tough. Like those definitely do conflict. Um, but yeah, like, like is a saying, guy, is a guy from definitely... Wyoming, is a guy from Wyoming finna be a, like a footballer type thing? You know what I mean? No. Yeah, Shout yeah, out my yeah, Wyoming guys. Wyoming. If y'all are watching, I don't know. <laughs> like That was the first state I yeah. thought of, but yeah, you yeah, don't really see that. It's gotta be the area. It's yeah. It's gotta be the area you grow up in, but it's like over here, all they know is football. So mm-hmm. I don't know. But yeah, the the guy I was thinking of, if we go to Germany, like uh, Bayern center back, Dai Dai like he's not playing. He's not playing soccer if he's in America. There's no yeah. way. So yeah, I mean, it's just that those type of things. Um, so that's why I think they have an advantage because everybody plays soccer, but we also do have so many people in America. So I think that's why we're catching up uh, eventually. Yeah, bro. I mean, I think it's been great so far. I'm a, I'm gonna wrap it up so I can let you you watch Champions League. But um, we just one more fan question here, and then just one more personal one. But someone asked, "What's your formula of success for football?" It's going back to the the original chump shot right there. Well, um, I still gotta ask you that one, but this is this uh, is a yeah, this yeah. is a fan one. Yeah, it's close to it. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, it's all about what I can control. I think. You know, especially what I've learned in the last month is there's been a lot of things that I haven't able to process really well in my head. And it's all been out of my control. Um, It's stuff that was going on outside the scenes with other people. And for me, the things that I can uh, solely work on is is how much work I put into it off the field in terms of my body and uh, in the gym and stuff like that. And then also, you know, uh, after training on the pitch. So I think those two things are things along with my mentality that continue to to give me success and hopefully give me success in the future that's a good answer and now i have to ask you our signature question what is your definition of success and do you think you've achieved it yet not even close to achieved it and you know hopefully when you look back at your career you can say you achieved it but even then I i still feel like a lot of players if they really are ambitious i don't think they'll look back and and say they achieved everything they wanted to. Um, but for me, you know, with what I want to achieve, success is so far away from it. And, you know, maybe I'll go to the, have you ever seen the quote from Matthew McConaughey of like, you know, I'm chasing that, that me. Of Myself in now. 10 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of yeah, course. Exactly. I mean, yeah, for me, like in 10 years from now, I, I want to be able to say I've played at a World Cup and played in Champions League and being a consistent starter in Europe. Um, but, you know, for me, success defined, I think when I look back on my career will be, you know, what I what I put into the game. You know, I I think if I had to sum it up in a simple sentence, if I give everything that I have um, with my mentally and, and also physically, I think, you know, I'll be able to look back and say, you know, I had success uh, with what I've done.
I like that. Maybe it's, it's a good answer. It's not the best answer, but the the Matthew McConaughey, you know, looking ten years ahead, I feel like it'll just never be success. Uh, satisfied. Success. That's is, the thing. It's hard. It's hard to reach, man. Have That's you ever read Tim Grover before his books? Uh, he was Michael Jordan's trainer. I don't think I have. Are you putting me on right now? Yeah. If if you <laughs> want to read like a good book on like mindset, I just finished one of his books, and like, yeah, his biggest thing is. It, the book was all about winning and it's like winning puts you on a pedestal um when you get there and it feels so good but it gets taken from you so quick i mean if i just look at my career i get called in the national team i score my first goal i move to Feyenoord. i'm on top of the world i haven't played i haven't started a like a regular competitive game in like eight months or i guess i just did but for like eight months i didn't start and it's like you're at such a high point in your life but then you know, the lows, it just takes you right back down. And it's so hard to get back to that success. But it's the journey along the way. You have to enjoy it because that's the part that makes winning so much sweeter and the success. So maybe that's a better answer than my first That's one. a good answer. That's a good answer. Yeah. And I want to shout out my mom real quick because she has a good saying. And it kind of goes along with what you were saying. And to all my athletes out there that are coming up that are watching this, I know some boss watch this. Shout out Caden Clark. I know he said he was... He's a big fan of Chump Chat. But, um, yeah, if you're coming up, my mom always says, you know, don't step on people on your way up because you're going to find them again on your way down. And so that's so true. I mean, if yeah, if you're, if you're going on your way up, stay humble, stay, you know, 10 toes down because, like Cole said, Laz, you can look at so many examples. You're not going to be there forever. You know, even Ronaldo, he's been there 20 years. I don't know how long, 15 years, and he's, you know, finally declining a little bit. So, you know, you always got to stay humble and, and true to yourself. And I think Cole's a prime example of that. So that's why you're going to, you guys are going to see him succeed. But I think we've kept him on for a while now, a solid hour. So if you guys like the episode, make sure to like, share, and subscribe. Um, we'll pop up Cole's socials throughout the video. So you have his Instagram and everything else will be linked in the description. If y'all liked Chris as a co-host, make sure to show him some love in the comments. And uh, yeah, Chum Chat <laughs> is back, baby. Let us know who you guys want us to interview in the DMs. And as we always say, go find your own success. Deuces. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.